This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is The Empty Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Latest Movie Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the digital, frigid, water-tortured, secret, completely information society, <laughs> Harry Wang, Justin Waddell. What's up, sir? How you doing? Frigid. My goodness. I'm doing all right, I guess. it's It's been a rough few days. You know, got some close people in my life that came down with COVID. They're doing okay. How about yourself, sir? I know you're traveling. I'm traveling, but I have not gotten covid no, I've, I've actually uh, knock on some secret wood. Um, I, I was able to have a fun weekend, hang out with my daughter, got to make you know music with old Steve, got to play some crazy video game, hunting video game that I have now. And uh, so, yeah, it's good. You have, a bunch of those, uh, you have a nice space downstairs in your house. You have a bunch of those um, kind of small versions of the old arcade cabinets and pinball machines, right? Digital. I do, and it's, oh. it makes me feel very proud. You know, it's great to like disappear into one of those things for like 20 minutes, you know, just to yeah, break up the-, the monotony of, of uh, zooming in and, you know, just the huge responsibility of the listenership and, and none of our jobs and families, but mostly the listenership. So you got golden tea down there. You got a lot of the... The classics. You got golden, yeah, golden tea. tea. I got one with asteroids and missile command and tempest and centipede on it. And I got a, a, a table with street all the street fighters and commando and ghosts and goblins. And then I got a Marvel pinball, a Star Wars pinball. I've got rampage, joust, gauntlet, defender, and then I just I just pulled in the big one. I got a big buck hunter. It's a big buck hunter, and it is amazing. Yeah, yeah, I hate hunting hunt. more than anything. Uh, I love creatures more than everything, but this game is a absolute riot. It's licking a part of you that you didn't know you you had, huh? Killing no. those big those big fucking animals. You hate seeing them, huh? You gotta shoot them <laughs> between the, betwixt the eyes. You love them. Yeah. And what do you do? Do you, do you get a gut them in that game too? No, like what's no? It's it's it, it literally could be anything. It could be anything. It just happens to be geared around hunting, but it's not the fact that it's animals and hunting that makes it so fun it's just the the chassis in which it's it's hinged on so i'm able to divorce myself from the idea that these are beautiful creatures that are getting pulverized by my mouth shots <laughs> is there like um is it does it does it combine like a big game hunter type game with like mortal combat finishing no. moves or anything no. no, 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 and and honestly, they it's cool when you when you turn the game on, you have to calibrate those light guns that you use, and then it says, mm-hmm. "Would you prefer to be Clint Eastwood or Jeff Fahey?" And I got to choose every single time. Fahey every time, I imagine. Yeah, yeah I, I'm the Black Heart, not the White Hunter. 
It's not a choice. Um, <clears throat> well, that's cool, and you know you're enjoying that game. And and uh, do you ever li- do you ever leave them all on, plugged in at once ha- to hear all the have- noises? I have to be. A, I, there was a there was once where I've turned all the lights down, and cranked all the bastards up, and just enjoyed the the transportive element of that. You know, as as both of us child, you know, children of the eighties, going into arcades, there was this amazing sensory overload that you'd get when you go into there. It was almost. Uh, I mean, it's there's nothing like it. It really isn't. And uh, I get a little bit of that. And then I realized the electric bill, and then I start to shit myself. I hope you aren't blown into an empty bottle in the middle of all of those uh, machines. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, it depends. Might summon Ooh. something. Yeah. Arcade man. Um, it's funny. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> what, what else is going on? <laughs> it it is funny. Uh, no, I saw the the night house in the theater with my daughter the other night. So you actually went to the theater. I thought you were at home watching that. I don't think it's available at home, isn't it? No, we saw it in the theater. I mean, you need that in IMAX. So yeah, the night house starring uh, Rebecca. What's her Hall. last name? Yeah. Rebecca Hall. Yeah. Who I who I texted you when you told me you saw it. I texted you that I liked her, but it converted to I love her, which, which is I a think very is strange, probably more accurate. Very strange text to receive from her friend. I love Rebecca Hall, you know, because I I do like her. She's great and stuff, but I I never thought about that kind of a commitment, you know. I, I love Rebecca Hall, but only when she's paired with Oates. <laughs> and um, she was she the highlight of that film. Yeah, she it's a it's a tour de force because she's she's got a lot of heavy lifting done on her. Funnily enough, uh, this movie shares an actor with that movie. So. I know, yeah, the guy, one of the guys from the beginning. Yeah, you know what's funny is, as much as I love Doctor Sleep, she should have played uh, Shelley Duvall's character in that movie because she looks just like her, and she has so many of the same mannerisms. I mean, yeah. she is a dead ringer in in a lot of scenes in this movie. You talking about Doctor Sleep? No, well, in Nighthouse, but you know, she could have played the Doctor Sleep version of Wendy Torrance to an X. Is, um, that, a, is that a sequel to Day House? I mean, yeah. it's funny. It's funny. You have to admit. <laughs> you know what's funny is that the movie almost is great. They really they they dip their toe in some very interesting waters and they kind of shy away from it to some extent. But it's 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 not dumb. It's pretty smart. It's got some interesting stuff. And 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 there's the third act, uh, as is often the case with horror movies, left me a little bit wanting. But it's so hard. It's so hard these days. People, you know, there's we've seen everything at this point. Especially now that we've seen the Empty Man. We did it. We got and, to and, and, and folks, I mean, The Empty Man is a movie, and it's something that we do on on this show, the movie Microscope. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film through bare-chested, unfiltered scissor eyes and shave the belly until everything is warm and sweet. We uh, bend backwards and run upside down, kick the corn into the room, <laughs> get a little vegetal and, and, and walk up and down, thinking about what we saw in the movie that we mutually experienced, and we share it to like. So you, the listener, tell you what makes or breaks. So if we're talking about running on empty, we want to talk about the scene where Martha Plimpton falls head over heels and runs on full. Jackson Brown peeping around with his pencil. Talk about the little moments. Yeah, running on empty. That's a well. You think that the the now that's a movie that's probably not well remembered. I imagine at this point, but very Oscar well nominated. Um, Oscar nominated. Yeah, very well reviewed back in the day. But who? Let's we got River Phoenix up in that. Who uh, else? He, was, who gives a fuck about him? 
Judd Hirsch. Hirsch in that. Christine Lottie. Lottie is the mom. Plimpton is the girlfriend. Uh, in real life, too, I believe. And then to, to River. And then who? there was another sibling in that family, right? I think or did he they... had a, a younger brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had done... The parents had committed some kind of 60s uh, yep. protest. And then it, it actually killed somebody. And they were always on the run. They didn't mean to kill Something somebody. Like that. And so a great filmmaker did it. It was either Lamette or um, the other guy. The other guy with glasses. But... um, Pollock... Oh, Sydney Plimpton. Plimpton. What? Two shows in a row. Two shows in a row. What do you mean? If I'm not mistaken, she's a baby Carradine. Is she one of the offspring? I had no and idea. She, she's a baby care. What about, what about, is she not related to George Plimpton some, somehow? How is she related to a Carradine or she's I think she, I don't, she's a Carradine. Come on now. Through intercourse. You think? Yeah, I, I think somebody like, fucked her into existence. Oh, that's. <laughs> well. Room and the- <laughs> 100% true. Oh my god, parents Keith Carradine and Shelly Plimpton, you're totally right. Yes, I wonder if she knows Keith. ever. <laughs> That's Keith's baby. I had no idea. I thought ever Carradine was Keith's baby. I was wrong. I'm a kind of a big Martha Plimpton fan. Well, you know what? Keeping mm-hmm. the theme, as long as she's somebody's baby, I mean, she's got to be somebody's baby. Um, a little Jackson Brown twice in this episode already. Jackson Brown. What an embarrassing um, anyway, I was just thinking about a movie that I love her in called I Have God. I was trying to find <sighs> it. on. You always always with you it, in that movie. It's not happening, man. It's not happening. Can't find it. It's like No Escape with Ray Liotta. Just can't get it. Ray Liotta talking up that movie lately. Said it's one of the best he's done. It's a great movie. Martin Campbell. Love, loving on no, uh, no Escape. That's the Aronofsky film, right? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Aronofsky is he he's he's out there right he's out there still working he's got to be scarving it up someplace do you see what a lot of shows are doing now what killing it diversify man they, they're not just a podcast anymore a reality Fuck show and podcast. Shit. we gotta get this shit on tv we gotta get this shit on tour you know what i'm saying it's we're not just a podcast you know it's a launching it's a it's a launching pad for other things and you know honestly same here yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We're going to hit the road after COVID. Well, I think our, our business model was pretty good. Was we're going from a podcast and then we're going to market our own frozen sausage biscuits for breakfast. I, I love the idea of us going on tour and just thinking everybody kept up with 150 episodes and we could just talk about anything at random. Like, yeah, you know, we, the hot dogs, like, the hot dog vendor from Sleepers. We'll just make yeah. him talk about, you know, the pink thing come out to just say uh, i'll look at the crowd to say daddy notice and then just uh, uproarious applause yeah i've never seen people do the wave in a square room before but damn it if they pulled it off you know it's like uh, just point to a random figure in the crowd hey guys so what was your favorite moment from the the irishman episode you know was it the total box or was it the fact that he kept bebopping around as jimmy hoffa and there's just a huge debate that forms. We could have like a trivia, like just like we could, we could, here's our hundred question trivia quiz. And then we, we, every quiz, question is what tattoo do we get at the end of, <laughs> <laughs> what tattoos do we get at the end? When do we start doing tattoos? Cause actually it wasn't right away. I think Captain Marvel was, a, was a pivotal episode. I think there was a lot of stuff that started there and tattoo came on a little bit later. I think it may have been the Irishman. Really? I'm taking a well, stab. I think I did get that. I think I did get that total box on me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I did. 
I wouldn't be able to remember most of my tats. Then you'll go for a drink of water. It'd be like my guitar solo mm-hmm. if it were for a concert, and a spotlight goes on me, and then I, all right, guys, it's time time to get serious now. Which of my dirty minutes on my island are your favorite? <laughs> Everybody runs screaming towards the exits. <laughs> yeah, so what's yeah. your relationship with the empty man? I only know about it because people are raving about it online. Like on Twitter, they were saying, you got to see this movie, this cosmic horror film. And so then it showed up on HBO Max, which makes it easy to see. But I know that it was a huge failure. It was released in the theaters last fall to nothing. Like the reviews weren't good and no one saw it. But, you know, no one was actually seeing movies in theaters. So this isn't a movie that would have been a hit, though, if COVID didn't exist. It's a very strange and very long film. They should have called it Pontifex instead or something, not The the Empty Man, which is such a stupid name and it's so Empty similar. Man is kind of a catchy title. I know that this is based on a comic, but the writer, director, you know, they didn't take much from those comics. They took like the tone, I think. Maybe the idea about The Empty Man, but I kind of like this movie in a weird way. I know that we kind of went back and forth talking about it, but... I like elements of it and it, and it features... Uh, uh, somebody who is really throwing their hat into the ring at becoming a movie microscope legend. It's my boy, James Badge. Not gonna, I thought you were going to say Virginia Cole. No, James Badgezale is, is a personal favorite. Not Ron Canada? I, not Ron Canada. Marin Ireland? No. Badge has had one of those like really secretly great careers already. It's always a gift. Um, this movie was, by the way, this movie was shot a while ago. It was like shot four years ago or something. So it was delayed. I think it had a... I think it was produced by a, a studio that Disney bought, and then they didn't know what to do with this movie. And they wanted him to cut it, the director. They gave him money to make this movie, and he made it weird. And then, you know, Disney or whoever wanted him to cut it, and they did. They cut it and tested it. <laughs> People hated it. So they let him re- release his his vision. And his being the director's name, David Pryor. Big EPK guy. He does, he does special features for a lot of Fincher stuff. You can tell he he likes Fincher. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, he's Richard Pryor's son. Did we say that we get that out of the way yet? No. <laughs> and um, no, David Pryor. I, I think this is his first film. Is that true? Is no, he's done first? something else. He did another movie? Mm-hmm. I can't zoom in that hard. The movie starts off with a logo that hits a little close to home with me, Boom Studios. Yeah. So I had a relationship with those guys. It used to be these two partners, Ross Ritchie and Andrew Cosby. Andrew left the company. At some point, Ross and I were friends, and it was funny because I would, when I was at my peak of of, of having you know access to things, I would show him some of the comic books I was working on because I was actually working with a, with a different publisher, Speakeasy, than his. Boom! But we were talking about working on something together, and I would send him all my my comics and all this and that, and just get his feedback. And the only fe- he was always like, "Well, he kept trying to steal my artists and my colorists <laughs> instead of." For giving me feedback. But Andy Cosby and I became friends. And actually, um, he worked with me on Runoff. Yep. And he worked with me on something else. I actually introduced him to Lloyd Levin, who actually ended up having him write Hellboy. So, little inside baseball. Yeah. And you guys really worked hard on Runoff, right? You oh, produced my God. Some, oh, yeah, my God. Well, that's a great, that's a great material, too. So, there, yeah. So, the Boom, Stoto, the Boom Studios logo has a uh, mixed. A mixed emotion for me there. But anyway, this movie kicks off, I think, maybe with its best sequence. Maybe, I think there's two sequences in this movie that really stand out to me. Um, this one is minus James Badgedale. We don't get him yet in this prologue. I'm going to go ahead and say, fuck off. What do you mean? <laughs> this is 22 minutes this film doesn't need. <laughs> I love this. I love this. It takes no, place. I, I love this I love if, it. it's, if it's the if this is the tone of the movie and this is the movie, but it does not make sense 
in right, the context so, of today's film going audience. Here's the thing. That's what's so interesting about this movie is that this guy really did his own thing. Like this prologue does last like a like it is like almost it's, it's 22, 20, minutes. 20, is it 22 minutes. Yeah. Um it's a, it, there's these hikers in the Himalayas. It takes place in 1995. So the movie set I think current day. So this takes place, you know, whenever. And so 1995 Grace won the World Series. <laughs> Zoom in. And um it's when I graduate college. And these guys we, we were, say this by the way, we've said this, we've yeah. had this exact exchange. Like I just want people times. to know it. I just want people to know it. And um these guys are hiking, they're they're bundled up, it's cold, they're having fun, they're having a blast out up in the Himalayas. They're not. There's uh, nothing that indicates they've had any fun at all. They can't wait to be up there. Like a little day hike. What, what fun. It's, it's freezing, but there's a bridge with some bells on it. It's a little creepy. They go over it. You know something bad's going to happen. Nothing good's going to happen in a movie called The Empty Man. When you're hiking at the beginning of this fucking movie, there's nothing good that's going to happen to your crew. And it doesn't. So they go over this bridge. And one of the <laughs> characters... Here's a little little bell ringing in his ear. A little, I guess, a little like uh, tone in his mm-hmm. ear. And he, you know, he starts walking towards a tone that no one else can hear. And that's his friends not, are that's all after the bridge. After the bridge, but yeah, after the bridge, yeah. And his friends all kind of are drinking water, watching him walk towards the edge of a basically of a mountain, and then he falls, but not down run. the mountain into a no. Cavern. He falls into yeah. He falls into a crevasse. Mm-hmm. I think his name is Paul. Is that correct? His name is very Paul. <laughs> and you know. That's not good. Like, that's not a fun thing to happen in that whenever you're up there trying to just have a blast hiking with your buddies, with your girlfriend yeah. and your boyfriends, yeah. you know? You know, a couple. Two couples out there, you know, visiting the Buddhists, scromping, wearing North Face gear, doing everything one needs. Instead of leaving, they decided to try to fetch their friend out of the crevasse, and they, they have a rope on them. They got all sorts of stuff in their packs. And one of the, this guy that you said was another movie you watched, this yeah, actor. that's uh, David Mamet's uh, son-in-law. <laughs> Are you serious? Yep. It's quite a zoom. Is that a Zosa Mammoth's yep. uh, husband? Yep. Is that how you say your name? We, Zosa? Yeah. We know who the, got the looks in, in that couple, who's the attractive one. And uh, he goes down after his friend, and he's it's creepy down there. He hits the flashlight. He looks around, and all of a sudden he sees his friend sitting cross-legged in front of a weird-ass alien-looking skeleton. You know, <laughs> And that is the first sign. That you're in the movie The Empty Man, you know, and not just on a tri- day trip. His yeah, that skeleton not- built a lot of goodwill with me that I put on my shoulders and lugged through about an hour and a half of the film. It's like, all right, I'm thinking about that skeleton. Come on, carry me through, because that's the only thing that's really pushing Here's the envelope. The this movie does a lot of work that doesn't that doesn't necessarily pay off at the end. Okay, that's fine. We'll get that out of the way. But I think you can still have a, a nice journey getting there. And so Paul says, Paul is just staring at this skeleton. He's got little tears running down his face. Skeleton's looking big and creepy and weird. Like multi like appendages and crazy little yeah. businesses around it. And Paul says to his buddy, don't touch me or you're, you're going to die. And his friend, of course, touches him because they got to rescue Paul. They get him out of that crevasse. They find a, they find a little. And he's sort of catatonic. He's, a, he's like a mobile. Like he, you have, they have to carry him. And he's just a free looking freaky. And so then they get him to like a, I guess like a little cabin that they find mm-hmm. and, and things go right. Everything goes fine. Yeah. At the cabin. Paul wakes up and they go home. Yeah. No, that's 22 minutes of shit. And, and, and they have this big motif where it's the, first of all, let's get this out of the way. 
the, the, mm-hmm. this movie, if you like having a mythology thrown down your face, you are in luck. And so this film starts off with this. They, they break the days with these chapter headings. One, 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 one two, two, day three. Yeah. And so we get yeah. to experience three days almost in real time at the beginning of this film before we get to the actual film. Yeah, there's a three-day motif. There's a lot of mumbo-jumbo in this movie. Look, you know, it's serving that shit up hot. But look, in this prologue, they're at the cabin. Paul's just snuggling in the sleeping bag on the floor. Everybody's kind of going, how are we going to get him home? Weird things start happening. You know, so that all just concludes to everybody dies. You know, there's this. Well, <laughs> except Paul, Paul Except Paul, yeah. yeah. We don't know that, but yeah, Paul's busy. Yeah, one day they wake up and Paul... Well, there's this great sequence when the two of the two of the friends leave and it's just Paul's girlfriend played by Virginia Cole, who I okay. do like. She's on the show Nosferatu, which I really like. I like that show. It's gone. Okay, now. This is a podcast, not a confessional. She thinks she sees something outside. And that's a cool sequence. Don't you like that? That shot of the weird creature in the in the fog and the snow. It's not a really a weird creature. It's like somebody bundled up in a parka, kind of a giant parka. You didn't like it? I thought it looked really cool. I thought it was really well done. And she steps towards it, it steps back. It's kind of a creepy little moment. It starts yeah. running towards her, starts booking ass towards her, actually. Um, but what happens is she soon gets kind of taken over. Paul whispers in her ear one night, and they show the shot. And then they all leave to kind of find Paul. He leaves. He's gone. And they just see his footsteps. They wake up one morning, and they get back to that bridge we mentioned at the beginning. And Paul's sitting in the snow. You know, he's sitting in the snow, which has got to be that's some cold ass. Mm-hmm. That looks cold to me. And he's he's like blowing in some kind of instrument. You know, that's a weird thing. And then his girlfriend kills these the other friends. Then she falls off the mountain. It's just like a whole like big setup to this moment, which I think is cool. And then well, that scene's kind of neat. It's It would have been great at 11 or it's four minutes into the movie. And then they do a close up of something that I think that you probably hate the most in this film. What's that? There's a close up on Paul's lips. His wiggling lips as he blows into this like flute type thing, and I, I was like, Nick must hate this. No, no, that, that that even crossed my mind to be honest. It didn't bother you? No. His wiggling, his hesitant wiggling lips. Yeah, so I like that skeleton. Do you like how over twenty two minutes into the show, after complaining about how the movie takes twenty two minutes to get to the beginning of the movie, your hosts have yet to get to the beginning of the movie? So now we flash forward twenty you know, 22 minutes later into the film when the movie starts. Now the whole first sequence I love, I think it's great. Then you, and it, this movie's beautifully shot. You have, we have to agree with, on that at least. Come on. No, I agree. I agree. And y- we get to uh, present day, James badge Dale at the end of a run in the middle of a bridge. Bridges, a bi- bridges are a big thing in this. And um, that's when we meet our main character. I'm sorry. Our main Tulpo or Tulpa, <laughs> whatever it's called. Yeah. But he's our main character, and he's got... Describe his little troubled p- past, Nick. What's going on with this guy? When well, do we meet a, him? James Benchell's a former cop. He's lost his... Uh, we find out he's lost his family in a horrible car accident, and he's just a little bit on the... A little beat up as a man. But, he's on some meds. He's he's depressed. But I'll tell you he's what. A, how do you how do you not get charmed the pants off of by watching a James Badge Dale in a chain Mexican restaurant doing tequila shots by himself? And then... Uh, Paying the bill with a with a free you know happy birthday uh, you know discount gift certificate that he got, and then they came out they come out and sing happy birthday to him, and they say happy birthday dear customer. They even bother to learn his name. Yeah, that's that's kind of a silly part, but you know, kind of a tuneless version, like a not not a very energetic version of that song 
to dear customer. Do you do you ever do you like you still do that? You get song to in restaurants? I don't, but I used do you to ever love... have to do it because you yes. used to work in a restaurant. But I used to have this thing when I was young. I would go join them whenever I was at a restaurant and people would start singing. I would join them and sing way too loud. <laughs> Wait, join them as a customer? Yeah. I would do that. Like I would walk from my, leave my table. It was because I was like with my group of friends and they, it was just became a thing where I just really loudly just singing with them. I remember at a TGI Fridays, it was late at night and I did it. And uh, I I got a little, I think it got a little vulgar or something like that. I remember it it was hard to believe. It was great. And did did the staff love it or did they? Yeah, No, they, they were amused because it's, you know, that's probably one of the least fun parts of their job, you know? It's awkward. Yeah. Because you have to you have to act like you care about people and you have to um, ritualize something. And I think this movie proves that rituals are stupid. They should have been like, happy birthday, dear Tulpa, you know, instead of dear customer. I like yeah. that they do say dear. Yeah. It's a I necessary do. part of, of that song. Dear, dear Nick. <laughs> yeah. Pretty formal. By the way. Yeah. I bet you dollars to donuts that most horror villains could be defeated by if you sing happy birthday to them. They could at least be nice. I think if Horace Pinker is railing down on you from up above, you start singing happy birthday, he's got to take a pause and say, you know what? I'm going to step off. I'm going to go back into the television. I'm going to go electrocute into somebody else. You saying happy birthday to me? It's not my birthday, but uh, what a sweet gesture. Here's my question is, are there many movie villains or monsters that, they did they ever get a celebrated birthday in a movie? Does that ever happen? Like, what movies does the monster uh, like cut and cake? Do you see the passion? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, I didn't birthday, see the passion. Birthday parties for, for murderers, mm-hmm. man, that's tough. You're right. I mean, I'm sure there is. I'm sure maybe some ser- they, that somebody did a weird thing with their birthday. They celebrate a birthday in a movie. I'm talking about a movie monster like Freddy Krueger or something. <clears throat> well, Frankenstein's birthday is sort of the sort of kind of a thing. Is it the Frankenstein's monster? It's a big to do his birth. Or is that Mary Shelley's birthday? Is it the same thing or something? To watch him. Or is it Marley Shelton? Am I thinking? Is that is it Mar- is it Mary Shelley or Marley, Marley Shelton that wrote Frankenstein? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, so James Badge Dale. Gets a visit by a teenager that's he has a kind of a relationship to. She starts kind of spouting mumbo jumbo, asking him how he is. But are you about talking about stuff. Sasha Frolova? Of course, sporting the ugliest hairstyle this side of uh, Emo Phillips. <laughs> she does have Emo Phillips hair in this, but uh, it's fine. She's pretty good in this movie. She got the she has to have the weird hair because she's attached to a weird cult. It took me about twenty minutes to realize it wasn't Dimitri Martin. And so anyway, she soon goes missing and her mommy call and she's like a teenager. Her mommy calls old James uh, Badge Dale. We'll call him JBD for short. So that's what I call him in all my notes. <laughs> and uh, she says, my daughter's missing. Can you, and he goes, I'll be right over to investigate. And check and you out. He does. And see how you look. He checks in on her and it's a little awkward. But then he goes up to the kid's room and he sees there's uh, some animal. But they, they later film figure out animal blood on her mirror and it says the empty man made me do it which is your first sign that maybe this movie is not going to be 100 percent great because come on you know that's that's wrong i think it's a good movie i enjoy this movie but you know come on empty man made me do it i still don't understand it necessarily but anyway so we soon find out that 
JBD had, has, has had a relationship with this mommy played by a mayor in Ireland and they got hot and heavy. I think during the funeral for, for her husband and why they were getting hot and heavy during the funeral, his family died in a car wreck. It's a little confusing. And especially in light of the revelations at the end of the movie, it's confusing. Yeah, very, very. But he's guilt stricken over this affair. And, you know, he doesn't, he keeps kind of, she keeps trying to get a little, during yeah. this whole th movie, she's trying to get a little touchy feely with old JBD. Yeah. And he's kind of pushing her away. So the daughter's missing. Yeah, I could have just said that. And so there's a scene, which is a kind of a cute little scene where these, these other policemen show up, including Ron Canada. Ron Canada really and Marin Ireland in the same film. Incredible. And what was you know, Michael Vick's fake name, Ron Mexico? Is that who true? Is a, there was an athlete who used the name Ron Mexico in some sort of a hmm. salacious way or something like that. But, you know, he's a legit cop and he's kind of sort of, you know, tolerating James Badgedale's poking around and sort of like, what the hell, dude? You know, and, you know, oh, we didn't mention his career as an ex-cop, but what's he? He's a little he's a locksmith guy. He, well, now he now he owns a like a home home security business. There's scenes of him like kind of recommending, uh, you know, home security stuff to people or like uh, home protecting. You know, it's just like he's that's what he does. He's a locksmith. Yeah, there's Go a ahead. huge sequence where he sells pepper spray to a lady, and she's like, "I I want to buy the one you're recommending, but I don't know if I should trust something recommended by somebody who is recently created by kids." <laughs> Uh, manifested by uh, a, a collective a collective mind. Nothing. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm not saying it makes sense. Anyway, the empty man, it, the first day, Nick, you hear him. Okay. Day two, you see him. Day three, you feel him. He finds you, but I'm not so sure those are the rules. They say him, but day three, it's you are him because we created you together. <laughs> Imagine a person into the real. Uh, the thing that bothered the living shit out of me is there's a scene where there's a group of kids, including uh, Owen Teague from the Stan miniseries and from the It movies, where they're on the on this bridge and they do this whole ritual. And this girl repeats this to James Badgedale later, this this character, who has an enjoyable spa experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you're on a bridge and you blow into a bottle and think about him, something happens. That is the laziest shit. Yeah, all you gotta do is blow into a bottle. All the friends, there's about eight I don't know, seven or eight friends there. They all blow into this bottle and they think about the empty man as they're doing it. That does not go well for them. They shouldn't have done that. But it's it's ridiculous. And something happens. And it's it, it comes on the heels of us. I mean, I don't know if you've had to see this Candyman trailer as much as I have, but it's ubiquitous and it wears me the hell out. Guys, just tell a good story. There's some creepy visuals. I think that that whole sequence is kind of creepy. Um, I think it works. Like it doesn't, like I said, like the kind of the mythology, I, you'd have to think about it. Go back and read some Wikipedia entries, piece it together from the comic. I don't know. You have to do some legwork here. But there's still a lot of creepy stuff happening. And the thing that's kind of a highlight to me is you got these creepy visuals. Say creepy. And you, get, and you get eerie visuals and you get old JBD being kind of funny in this movie. Like he's certainly charming. And then he gets some great like little comedic beats in this. There's a couple that I thought really worked well kind of juxtaposed against those kind of sequences I was talking about. I think it you helps. Know, the, the creepy ones, the creepy ones. I, I think it's always better, and I guess the Nighthouse is a testament to this as well, is when you have mm -hmm. a grown-up as the protagonist, they're able to avoid a lot of the cliche stuff and actually add a little bit of... I mean, the audience is, is easier. It's easier for them to step into the surrogate role there because they're, they identify. That's how they would sort of react to some of this shit happening. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the teen movies use a crutch of the whole teen thing. So, yeah, it helps that you have a grown person in this reacting as you would if this had happened around you. So he goes to the school and he, he, he you know, this girl's missing. Her friends are missing, but he finds one of the, the friends at school. She's certainly kind of, you know, freaked out. And he, he invests, you know, he, he interrogates her. She tells him, like, about what they did in the bridge and all that, you know, the, the, the bottle. And then she leaves. And he, he's, he also tries to find some of these other friends. And what did you think of the sequence? I couldn't tell. Was the, the, the sacrifice dog dead? Did you, <laughs> you remember this? Like he goes to this, this uh, girl's house, goes up to her room and she has like a sticker on her door that says um, no idiots allowed, which I thought was nice, but she's not there. And he goes out back and finds like a dead family dog. And it is super dead. <laughs> like yeah. just destroyed. Yeah. Like hereditary dead. And then, and then all the blood, that's the blood that they used to paint like this. The empty man was here type yeah. stuff. It's a, that's an unfair trade for the dog. <laughs> it's like, well, please tell me as you're slaughtering me, uh, are you going to use my blood to say something cool? No, not at all. Mm-mm. No, there's an orange slice by that dog, by the way, which I thought there's, was very odd. I think there's other orange slices in this movie. Is there? Is that a little Godfather homage? But yeah, there's an orange slice. So I don't. Is that part of this? The citrus figure into the empty man. Well, he does do a little lime before his tequila shot at the beginning. What? Yeah. Let's Google this. The citrus connection in the empty man. <laughs> By the way, the citrus connection a better title. <laughs> James Badge Dale's seen it all. Like he, this didn't bother him that much. This destroyed dog in the back of a house of a missing girl. He's like, hmm. Guess it's another Wednesday for old JBD, you know. Yeah. You get a little deja vu, him poke around mean? that crime scene. Van Damme in it? <laughs> he wishes he had those skills. But that's soon afterwards. You, you, why don't you talk about this spa sequence? My tulpa took one. What? <laughs> uh, the spa sequence. So the, the the one friend that he did oh well he does investigate i don't know when this kind of happens matter. simultaneously <laughs> he invest he investigates this bridge that part of this girl's story and he goes down a manhole and he blows in a bottle on the bridge he does blow in a bottle he got to thinks he hears some weird stuff but anyway he goes down this manhole and he finds all those missing <laughs> about five of the missing kids they hung them they've hung themselves down there right so jackpot i found most of them <laughs> Meanwhile, this this girl that's kind of told the story, she's in a spa and it's very weird because she's completely naked in this in this shot. And she's supposed to be in high school. Remember, like this is thought that was a weird choice by the director. Super naked in the spa. She gets super destroyed. She gets super killed by herself. The the 18th time I watched that scene, I was like, I'm not buying it. But anyway, so she's, you know, she falls asleep in the spa and that sucks because she blew in that bottle. And you that's one of the things you shouldn't fall asleep in a spa when you've summoned the empty man because, you know, he's going to materialize. Well, I, I, I hate the cop out in this scene, though, because they have first of all, the, the empty man being like this cloaked character is ridiculous. The, the personification of it. But I don't mind when, it. OK, when you when they show you the skeleton with all the appendages at the beginning mm-hmm. and then they've got a ring wraith show up. That's a letdown, you know. I'm fine with it. I'm okay. good. Okay. Anyway, if this thing shows up in the sh- in the shower, starts stabbing the daylights out of her face, mm-hmm. and then they have this shot of her stabbing herself in the face, indicating that it's all in her imagination or whatever. Unfair. And then, for some stupid reason, the, the empty man 
closes her eyes with his stupid hand. He does. He does do that. Here's the thing that she, her last words are, leave me alone. Did, 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 did that happen? <laughs> Eventually he does. Let's I wonder if that's that. ever worked during a murder att- attempt. Oh, Probably. oh, you you didn't request this. All right, let me stop murdering the shit out of you. Yeah, she stab. They show they insert shots of her stabbing her own face. It looks pretty brutal. I don't I don't love it. She bleeds out. Uh, she does not make it to the third act, where she, where she would be equally confused as the viewer. I imagine. About I just like happened. the idea of this image of this ancient creature, right? Mm-hmm. This creature showing up and, and and navigating, you know, the locker room on his way to the spa, like you know, going through the tall room things he's never you know never experienced like the idea of the empty man having to go you know go through the he doesn't have a car to get into the gym you know he's got to go through some pretty rigmarole things you know he has to walk through the basketball court you know a stray basketball comes up bumps up against his leg he has to hand it to the kid and then go stab the shit out of her face it's very strange never once does the empty man question what is this spa he knows is what you're saying yeah anyway so you know pretty soon the cops arrive at this bridge they tell old jbd that Hey, congratulations finding this gaggle of dead kids. But the other dead ki- uh, kid you were talking to is now dead too. He's taking it in. And one of the cops, Ron Canada, I believe, basically tells him, hey, you know, this is just stuff that we're probably never going to solve. He says, we can't indict the cosmos, which is a huge zoom, especially like day one of an investigation to just give up so colossally. <laughs> Have you even like got the fingerprints back yet? <laughs> can't indict the cosmos for god's sakes hey, anyway see you guys tomorrow i'm headed home yeah there, there's a jaywalker i can solve that shit yeah it's actually the jaywalker went across the, the street into the gym in a cloak uh i'd <laughs> be great they bust the empty man he gets five to ten on a jaywalking charge that'll slow down his tulpa <laughs> so an amazing scene happens this might be one uh, this is the maybe the craziest scene in the movie. The mom, who is just worried sick about her child, decides to pay a visit to JBD's house with some to go. Yeah, just brings sn- food over, and in a wild shot in the dark, brings over. She's like, I didn't know what he liked. Brought over <laughs> Szechuan beef, egg rolls, and egg drop soup. She really didn't like. She went pretty specific. She was like, I don't know what you liked. Here's what I think you better like. You know, it's like. Get, throw a little like i don't know general general sal how do you yeah. say that general sue general so general so and, ba- and badges like you're lucky i'm empty right now sesame chicken james james badge dale sleeps that- in long johns this <laughs> let's just get it out of the way nick no one else is going to talk about this but we will jbd is sleeping in some long johns in here he has the comfort. most well, no, this whole his whole wardrobe in this film is layers upon layers. It is the most comfortable wardrobe you could ever want. He's got jeans, he's got a t-shirt, then he's got a plaid, then he's got a jacket. In nearly every scene in this movie, he is bundled up. He is he doesn't have to worry about anything. He is he's secure. Healthy. Layers upon layers. It must be cold to be a tulpa, you know? <laughs> it's freezing. But yeah, he he looks comfy in those PJs and he's having bad dreams. He's hearing things in his house. He's having badge dreams. <laughs> it's a sequence when he wakes up and hears something outside his, his door. He opens it and turns on the lights. And then something uh, in another part of the house turns off those lights, which I thought was pretty good. There's a couple of sequences in the bedroom that are pretty creepy. But he's got a, You know what he does? He's got a bat. He like, does. Which I thought you'd probably love. Oh, yeah. Do you sit with a bat next to you? 
Uh, no. I have a mitt. <laughs> One of the first <laughs> defender <laughs> in case someone throws something at you. Yeah. <laughs> keep it keep it in close proximity so you can grab it real quick and put yeah. it on. Or something crazy. The film's this. Uh, this is almost to where the film starts to try to get some interesting shit going on. Stephen Root gets introduced. Yeah, like so. The, the so B- Badge Dale takes his show on the road. You know, he, he the investigation mm-hmm. takes wings, and he starts to kind of go out there because he's he's read up. He's seen all these weird terms. He doesn't necessarily understand. He's done some rudimentary research on the internet. He's decided to to go out there and figure out how deep this tunnel goes. Yeah, and he gets he keeps seeing uh, advertisements, advertisements, if you will, for the for the institute from the brood. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is this one called? Pontiflex. There's another institute movie. We just did the brood. Now this, and anyway, he goes to a very well lit, I don't know, building where Stephen Root is saying a bunch of nonsense to a. Well, he's given this. He's, the, he's given this great um, questionnaire by this clerk before he goes in. <laughs> he's like what is this he says it like twice he's like he's like no but what is this like because it's ridiculous shit yeah because it's like does your mind ever itch that's one of the questions and then uh, one of the funnier recurring themes in the second half of the movie begins he's like i grew up in san francisco i know he keeps saying it because whenever some sort of trippy dialogue or anything happens his caveat is well i grew up in san francisco so i'm ready for this kind of stuff and still you're you're jacked out yeah, I'm used to it. Like he he doesn't buy it. And the thing is, like this cult, and it is look, it's 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 a cult. You know, he he's trying to get to the bottom of their involvement and in this the, the disappearance of these dead children and this missing girl who he thinks is still alive. He she does kind of get to the bottom of it. She is. She is alive. Yeah, unfortunately for him, or fortunately for him, because I think she creates him out of her mind somehow. But that's okay. We'll just keep going. <laughs> He starts poking around this building and there's some creepy stuff that happens. He sees a bunch of people, you know, bald dudes staring at a wall. And then he sees this people in a meeting and, you know, see, they seem to be summoning something. It's just lots of creepy stuff happens before he gets kicked out on his on his derriere. Doesn't he see a video where a guy paints with his organ juice? He sees that when he goes to that camp elsewhere okay. later on yeah. in the movie, which I think is a standout sequence in this movie, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, so he's kind of not... He's hot on the trail of something that's impossible to understand, <laughs> you know, yeah. that Stephen Root, Stephen Root only shows up for that one sequence. But he's got like eight pages of dialogue. He's Donald Sutherland and JFK in this movie, you know, just. And he says something ominous to our hero. It's nice seeing you again. He says something like that. You know, it's nice seeing you here again. Yeah. Implying that James Bagdale has obviously been there before. And he goes, I've never been here before. I've never been conjured from teenagers and been here before. <laughs> It's weird to conjure something and then, you know, dress it like a clerk at an auto body shop to go through the, the motions of building a, a locksmith business around it. You know, when you cr- conjure a human, you have to dot the I's and cross the T's. And one of those things that you have to figure out is what will be he wa- will he be wearing to bed? Long John's. OK, yeah. that's good. What else will he be doing? You know, will he drink um, alone? Will he drink alone at, at chain restaurants? Yes, he will absolutely do that. Will he turn is down he a jogger? Will he jog and then instantly smoke a cigarette? Absolutely. Will he turn down the sweet advances of a mom? 100%. Sweet advances turned. And so he decides, like, he he does encounter this other act, this other guy. I don't this actor. I don't know his name. 
who kind of tells him, he kind of says, hey, you know, when he gets kicked out, he kind of gives him some information about this girl. And he tells him to go to this this camp elsewhere. She's at this camp. By the way, Mm -hmm. listeners, William L. Peterson is home resting comfortably after his ordeal. So, yeah, he got a he got a little health scare on the set of the CSI, I guess, Vegas. Is that what he's on? And uh, yeah, he he got got carted off to the hospital. He's back home. He's fine. So Robert uh, Arameo is the is the actor you're talking about who played young Sean Bean in Game of Thrones. Did he really? Yeah, he's got kind of a this rumpled, pinched face little actor, little cutie. <laughs> he like says, "Hey, you know that girl you're looking for? She's out in in Mark Twain National Forest at Camp Elsewhere. Go out there, man. Nothing bad's gonna happen out there. Go out there." And so there's this pretty cool like transition that reminded me, obviously, of The Shining. Did you like that transition? The driving yeah, look at the map, and then it goes into yeah, into like the real road. Yeah, I think it's cool. Well, you're an easy mark. I am. Um, heads to camp elsewhere. Looks is looking for a group, looking for this girl, and he, you know, starts to, you know, Resident Evil through, you know, he's just doing some investigations through like some empty buildings with a bunch of, you know, folders and files and videotapes. That's where he sees the the videotape that you're talking about of the guy that that is painting that mural with his own organ. His it own reminds blood. me of the Stanford Prison Experiment videos or whatever it is but yeah there's some interesting stuff in those videos where these guys with their eyes are all glowing and they're and they're looking at you and they're all gaunt and then they start playing with their guts in a little bit and makes a cute little painting it's creepy stuff and there's this cutaway with this teddy bear there's this teddy bear that figures into the scene too which i don't necessarily understand why it was there and why they they show it start to move and then they never show it until later yeah, it's like it's kind of a messed up teddy bear and then all of a sudden disappears when he's watching these tapes. It's supposed to be kind of creepy and it, it does reappear later on, has some significance. But anyway, as he's watching these weird videotapes, he steps outside of this. He, see, he finds a folder with his name on it, which he doesn't love as he's trying to do some investigation. That's later, isn't it? No, he finds a folder in there and it's empty. It doesn't have anything oh, in it, but okay. it does have his name on it. It's a red folder. And so then he steps outside. It's dark and he hears like a noise. And so he that's when he goes and investigate. And I like this scene. Do, do you like all this? Yeah, it's a good scene. And it's a crowd of weirdies in the dark kind of surrounding a bonfire. And he's just kind of creeping towards it, like kind of trying to, uh, you know, investigate. Like, what are they doing? And everything starts to get weird. It starts to get kind of cosmic. And he starts to kind of hallucinate, he thinks. And then all of a sudden it's dark. It's like the bonfire's out and the group's still there, but it's completely out. And he accidentally makes a noise <laughs> as he's trying to back away. And the whole group, and there's got to be like 40 people there in the dark, they turn towards him. Mm-hmm. He starts, to, it's kind of reminiscent of that, the first scene with, with the creature in the snow a little bit, you know, the when the woman is approaching it. But anyway, he says something that's just, just near and dear to him to me. Yeah, well, first of all, he would, he took a step backwards, and then they took a step right. forward. So it's obvious they were in lockstep with his movements. Right. And then they do it again, and then this moment happens. He says, uh, I'm too tulpa for this shit, I think. <laughs> no, he says, what does he say? I wrote it down when I can't he find goes, it now. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> Which is incredible. Because, yeah, because this is super creepy, and this 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 whole crowd this whole crowd of people in the dark is just kind of staring in his direction and moving towards him and yeah and and being weird and and like you said lockstep and then they start chasing him but he gets out of there and i had something like that happen to me almost identical except not identical but i did have 
I told you. I think it. Me and my buddy I mean, used to drive. There was this. We called it Redneck Road, but people called it Devil Worship Road. Mm-hmm. It's a gravel road that was that would run between Haynes Bridge and Holcomb Bridge. That was it's where North Point Mall is now. Okay. And this was a shortcut. It's not really a shortcut, but it was a way that we would go to the movie theater to go to, to make the night interesting. It was oh, you know, there was no there was like all these beat, there was like a few Civil War era chimneys, but there was nothing else on that road. It had the nickname Devil Worship Road because they said that there was devil worship that was done on it. And uh, we and my buddy were driving down, and there was a bonfire, and there were people standing around the bonfire, and they were wearing cloaks or some sort of crazy shit. And they charged his Honda CRX and were beating on it. And we had to spin out and and, and take off. Are you serious? I yeah. don't remember this. Yeah. yeah, it happened. It was me and Bobby Allen. It? it was like nine, uh, 1988, 80, 88, 89. And it was, it was so crazy. And then I went back uh, the, during the daytime the next day. And there was a gigantic rib cage in the middle of the road, like a bloody rib cage blocking. You couldn't drive because there's a giant rib cage like right in the middle of the road. It's very are you shitting me? What are you t- I never told me this story. Yeah. Is it an animal rib cage, obviously? Yeah, it was an animal rib. It was like probably a very large, like a cow or a deer or something like oh. that. But it was a very That's narrow cool. road. And it was something we were, I would intentionally, when I first learned to drive, I would, that was where I'd always go down that road. Or when I was driving a friend, I'd always try to do that to make it interesting and, and creepy. There was a couple of moments on the thing where, you know, it was no joke. Now North Point Mall is on top of the rib cage. So did you, uh, when you're driving on that road, did you ever tap a coin? Uh, on your teeth? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like his son does? Whenever they keep showing did. his son. Like his son did. I know. But whenever they're showing the, the wife and the, the son driving, and obviously they have an accident, that when they show him tapping a coin on his uppers, upper teeth, did you, when he when they do eventually drive off the bridge, were you happy that he got punished for tapping a coin on his tooth? No. Because that's hard to watch. I felt bad. I'm, I'm just glad that the deer didn't get hurt during that accident right you're right yeah they swerved him yeah. said, anyway so he's out of there he said what the fuck was that that's what he said he's like I'm it out. twice yeah it's a funny scene and he's like man that's the weirdest thing that's happened to me ever nothing can get weirder than that and then he gets ding dong ditched by a teddy bear <laughs> he does and uh the empty man or whatever the entity shows up his house is a little fast forwarding through his house towards him which is weird and there's and, also um, he also appears on the phone which always makes me happy when a supernatural ancient creature uses the phone but you know, yeah, they do a lot of that in this little whisper talking. I think there's a lot of ideas here. They just kind of threw the kitchen sink in at the end. You know, it turns out Paul from the beginning is still alive. He's in this hospital. The creepy kids go and they worship at his comatose body. You know, there's just a lot of stuff happening here. Well, first of all, he he's he gets to revisit that kid from Game of Thrones. Beats the shit out of him in a, in a parlor, yeah. but that guy goes into this pretentious ass spiel about what James Badgedale is, you know, in the thick of. And he says he calls him the between one, the prophet of the other. And it is so Wachowski bullshit pontification shite. Yeah, he's like, you're coming down with him. The empty man, you get a bad case of the empty man. Uh, he keeps, he, he's, he's really just shouting bullshit at him, but it's, it's apparently true. And James Badge ain't hearing it. He thought he's like, I thought you gave him the inside info. Instead, you were just, you know, and he was, you know, you're just kind of playing along with the, with the cult. So, yeah, he does end up punching the daylights out of that kid. Left handed, um, which surprised me. Goes, and then, you know, then he goes back to the hospital and he has a weird conversation with the nurse at night. The nurse tells her she's not gonna, able to give him any information and then proceeds to give him all the information. Yeah. And then he says this, this guy has been, because James Badge Dale wants to know about the person in the bed that everybody's worshiping at. 
you know, the transmitter, Nick. The antenna, yeah. That everybody else is receiving. And um, the nurse says, well, there's someone visiting him right now. And that girl this is that he's my been hunting for. I, 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 this time. scene could have gone on forever. Him She's shaving him? Cutting his beard hair with scissors. Yeah. Close up. And then she shaves him down. She shaves down to a, um, obviously a dummy of the character from the beginning. <laughs> of the dumb, like the whole time, which I thought was an odd choice. Because the dummy later gets blown away. But in these scenes, it's just a, a shaved dummy. Of actually, I actually like that about it. It looked super creepy, I have to say. Yeah, I did too. I, I didn't mind it. No, I think it's great because they're playing, you know, that way when he shoots it, it doesn't feel like they're cutting away from a real thing to a fake thing. They just made people yeah, believe it. must a fake have been thing. the decision. Yeah. Yeah. And he would look all, you know, just fucked up from being and, you know, bedridden for 25 years or whatever, however long it's been. It's so funny. Uh, James Badgedale shoots him a lot. He does. Point blank, great. And, and I thought it was great that his last words were, Are my friends okay? From the beginning, are they okay? It's old Paul in that yeah. bed. Yeah, he. But anyway, so what's happening here is, you know, in this, all this stuff, the girl tells him and she's like, you know, I know you're not going to believe this, but uh, I created you with my friends from our minds. And James Bedsdale's like, I don't, I'm trying to piece this together. What? Audience is like, huh? And, uh, you know, all this stuff's a lie, all his background. The, he calls he calls the 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 woman that that's her mom. She doesn't know who is who he is. Like it, I don't really understand what's happening at the yeah, end. Yeah, and he does find the contents of that file, and it's all it's basically his his life story, right? In, in snippets, right? Yeah, they gave him. There's just a lot of elements from other films in this, and it just feels like they couldn't land on something. But I don't hate it. Like I kind of like that it's weird. I just wish I could understand it a little bit better. And I think part of it is just is bad storytelling, but part of it is just like, let's just make it weird. So I kind of appreciate it. Yeah, but you could do weird and make it a little bit more airtight. I, I, mean, I know, I know, I know. But it's it, hard to do something, though. I know, I, I agree. I think that they could have picked one track. Like, I didn't really understand why why did it matter that like he's guilt-ridden over the death of his family that didn't really exist anyway. You know, it's just like there's so many like bait-and-switches and who is the empty, you know, he's becoming the empty man. But what does that mean? Is that, is the empty man not the weird creature we sometimes see? I don't really get well, it. That's what I don't like. It's like, if you go cosmic and weird, but don't try to make it a slasher character. You can't have everything. Yet, I can't hate. I can only respect and wish that it was a little bit better. All right. You sound like you kind of like it too, though. I like him a lot. And I, I like elements of it. I lo- and and we do get to briefly see that skeleton thing at the end again. And then they kind of cheap out with this digital thing. And then they do a tentacle creature kind of thing, too, which is neat. But yeah. I just think we live in a day and age where you could do you could push it a little bit. I mean, you think right. about what Ari Aster is doing. You think about ritual and you think about I mean, there's so many movies that that touch on this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of co- cosmic horror sort of acceptable now. So know, know your lane and fucking stay there. But yeah, this is somehow like a well-budgeted weird film. Yeah, you know, they spent money on this. This Not isn't a ton. Like cheaply, this isn't cheaply done. No, they. I mean, you gotta pay. You gotta pay JBD. You I don't think. To. I don't think it was expensive at all. He probably made twenty mil on this. I think that. <laughs> I think that David Pryor is just able to get a lot of production value because of his skill set. But I don't think it was an expensive movie. I wonder how much it costs. Is is that available? Because um, you know what, I'm just gonna. No matter what it is, it didn't make money back. For sure. They filmed it on location in Tulpa, Oklahoma. 
Made four four point two million at the box office. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about what a tulpa is? We keep kidding around about. It. I wrote down a definition. I, I don't care, but go ahead. Tulpa is a concept in mysticism and the paranormal, and the paranormal of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental power. They really did it, didn't they? They really threw everything into this movie. They, they then the next time somebody does a ritual that works will be the first time. <laughs> What um, what do you think um? How do you, what do you think about the length of this film? Fuck the length of this film. Two hours and seventeen minutes. It's only two hours and fourteen minutes before credits, which I didn't stay through. I think it was basically just uh, an apology in every language. It's too long. That twenty-two minute chunk at the beginning is as fun as it may be. That should have been a webisode, like the James Franco cov- Alien Covenant sequence that you could view on the web before you go see The Empty Man. But don't. Don't punish me. Don't force me. Or get rid of a lot of the stuff after it and just make a movie about Nepal fucking people up. They spent $100 million on this. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Can't, I gotta recommend, I'm, I'd recommend people watching this, watch this on HBO Max. I think that's where, you can, that's where I saw it, but I don't think it's available to buy anywhere. I think you have to stream it. Maybe it's available to rent. It'll or be available rent. soon to buy. Yeah. It's, but still it's, not in, it's still in its window. It's not a physical uh, media. For sure. Well, so you can't you can't own. You have to manifest it. You have to manifest the physical media. <laughs> you got to told I mean, not that this is a recommendation show. I would recommend you you read about uh, nature for two hours and seventeen minutes or something instead. <laughs> You're uh, sitting out there in the fucking bridge, whistling around, grabbing pipes and shit. You hear a whirring sound from underneath, and lo and behold, up under like a troll. Tattoo shot waiting. That little freshly shorn guy looks up. He says, what would you like? What would you like in your body? That's a good question. I, I, across my tits, I've got that booth from the restaurant. Big ass birthday cake. The empty man skeleton with the appendages sitting at the booth instead of James Badgell blowing out them candles. It's, Happy birthday, empty man. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, Monster finally got a birthday. And yeah. a movie. It's a, on a tattoo, but yeah, I like it. So what, you would get the monster and not JBD tattooed on you. Yeah, well, I mean, they're one and the same, aren't they? I don't know. He takes on he takes on the role of the empty man at the end of the story. <laughs> no, I know he does, but then I'm like, and I know that the empty man emptied himself into the empty vessel of JBD at the end. He still seemed kind of like himself. No. You don't think so? And all these people start bowing before him and kneeling. Yeah, he does kill Paul. Yeah, it's interesting. He shoots, I know, I, he I, shoots I, Paul many times. I did get it, Nick, at the end, sort of, a little bit. I would actually, so you're not, ta- I would tattoo the opening shot of the movie when, when he's introduced, when James Badgedale is introduced, and it would be him on that bridge, like, because he's introduced running across the bridge and stopping to smoke. So I'd have him leaning against, you know, the bridge, and um, or he's on the bridge, like, kind of leaning, and, you know, smoking, and then underneath it would say, more like James Bridgedale. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> little joke, little empty man joke. There's a shot of him Jesus. naked in a chair later on. That's more like James yeah. Chippendale. That's true. <laughs> Didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, he gets a little hot and heavy with uh, in one of those dream sequences with um, Marin Ireland at the end. You know? Mm-hmm. That's not a tattoo, though, right? I'm just saying it. You could also warp that name to get there as well, but I'm I'm not doing it. 
I'm not warping his name for that scene. Okay. I won't do it. Oh, Vagdale. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? You sicko. How dare you? No. I was thinking of James Smoochdale. <laughs> More like this movie, James Badge Fail. Uh, look, the movie's over. After the credits, there's a little tree, a little stinger, a little extra scene waiting for you there. Oh, there's more to this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so there, there's a sequence. If it fades, it fades, he comes out of the hospital room having just shot Paul, right? Mm-hmm. Paul's brains are all over the wall in the form of that painting he sees earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> comes out, and the hospital staff's there, and they start to bow down to the new empty man, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it fades to credits. And then after, you know, midway through the creds, it just kind of comes back and, you know, back on James Badge, Dale, standing there and he goes, wait, what? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so mine, um, snow covers the frame, blowing sideways, fluffy snow, fluff, 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 blows yeah. away and reveals a thatch hut with a little sign in a, in a language we don't understand. Uh, and you sure. look up, and we're at the bottom of that crevasse, um, and yeah. there is a somebody has opened up a little tea house down there. You go inside, it goes you know the camera follows us into the door. There's a few patrons sitting there, their arms around their warm their warm tea to sip in this awful weather, and then mm-hmm. they see the proprietors. It's his friends. They are they're okay. Oh yeah, they're okay. They they got. All three of them have giant beards. They are the proprietors of a little tea house. They knew they, they, we, our tulpas had to stay, but we're here. And they've had this beautiful little tea house, and they've ser- they're serving the Nepalese uh, folks. So you're talking about the guy that gets stabbed in the back and neck, kicked and, off the mountain. The other girl gets her throat slit, kicked off, falls off the mountain, and then the other girl the other just girl falls, falls, jumps. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. soft snow. They're fine. Know, soft, very soft snow. 2,000 feet down. Ice on ice kept the uh, blood from really going haywire. Sure. And, uh, and they were and they were spat to health by a, a local Sherpa. They pooled their resources and, and built a, a, a weird location for a tea, a tea shop. I love you, it. I love that you rescue those characters because I thought for sure when I saw them falling thousands and thousands of feet to their deaths, already bleeding and already dying, <laughs> for the most part, I was like, conclusive, these people are done. You know, this yeah. is this is this is horrible. I'm glad that you were able to save them, so now I can rest easy at night. Yeah, and they do. They know. I mean, they they saw some wicked shit while they were in that cabin. So, mm-hmm. like, we should stay here because if we leave, perhaps what keeps us bound and alive would vacate. Smart people, right. smartest people in the film. I love the sign they have hanging in their shop. What is it? No shirts, no shoes, no empty man, no service. <laughs> Health inspector comes through every once in a while. Checks, make sure that passes code. They get mail. Maybe All he right. does like a little fun thing with the skeletons sitting there because they, they're in the bottom of the crev- crevasse, right? The skeleton's well, still there. He's he's in a different section. I'm oh, guessing. so you're not talking about the crevasse that Paul fell into? The, the forever plunge where they where they left it. The they're film. at the bottom of that. The forever plunge. My fault. I was picturing that you put them in. They said they climb back up and set up shop and the thing that he falls in. The no, no, no. They, they're down at the bottom of that forever fall. Cause it'd be fun. Like they could have, if you put it in there, they could just have like that skeleton holding like some, tea, some teacups, 
you know, rub the skeleton's face for good luck, something like that. Right. But no, you're you're okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm glad I imagined this the way you intended. Yeah. And then of course uh, the host, the host standing there at the front when you come in and uh, take any seat you'd like. If you touch me, you'll die. All right. So money is clear to escrow. You've been given the bankroll to do your own sequel to The Empty Man. What form does that shit take? Scariest thing about this movie. I mean, I feel like you just said a sequel. I feel bad for you. The tea shop at the bottom of the ravine, you know, the, the of the chasm. I'm not really doing a sequel. I'm doing more of a remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wuxia remake. A what? Wire foo. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be martial arts on it. It's like crouching, empty, hidden culpa. Something like that, you know? <laughs> it's just, uh, tons of wire work, you know, people floating around the chasms, kicking and shitting, you know, people worshiping bottles and blowing into holes, just <laughs> bottles on strings going across the screen. <laughs> that, dead, that, that dead dog on a string going. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. It's dreamlike, yeah. The Full Man. That's the name of my sequel. The Full Man. F U L L. Don't get it incorrect. I think it's the other spelling. The Full Man. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fade in. James Badge Dale is at the Applebee's restaurant from the beginning of the first film, and he just knocked out a huge meal. And he's just untucked his shirt, rubbing his belly. Because he ate a lot of that food. He's he's full, Nick. Mm-hmm. The empty man is full. And the cult people are kind of confused and realize that they just they conjured a hungry tulpa. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they messed up. And it's just about him becoming a speed eater, a competitive speed eater. <laughs> Kobayashi uh, sucked my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wetting hot dog buns and water, slurping them down. He's great. And then and he, he takes him, and he yeah. ain't puking after. He's not the puking kind. No, he doesn't need to do that. And and you know, and then the cult starts to go. You know what? Maybe this is incredible because his reach is now far and wide. He's getting a lot of eyeballs on him. He can empty you know the tulpa of the shit out of people and get, get you know spread his message far and wide. But he doesn't do that. He just competitively eats for the whole film and wins blue ribbon after blue ribbon. Yeah, it's called the Full Man. And eventually, he gets a Hungry Jack uh, partnership. I mean, it's funny. It is funny. Let's give it that. It is funny. Hi, <laughs> hey, look, you're in the film. You're, you're, you're interposed into the scenes of The Empty Man. What shape does your performance take? Okay, my character's got the shopping cart, and he's filling it with bottle after bottle. He's the town recycler. He's the richest man in town. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So many bottles in this town. He's turning them in. He's raking it in. He's For some reason, he's got a Mercedes. Like He's got BMW as well. He's saving up for a Lambo three houses mm-hmm. he's made money off of these bottles nick and he knows what's happening he knows there's tulpa running around he knows the empty man's there he knows it sucks to be in that town but you know hey he's rich as hell because people keep blowing in the bottles <laughs> he's just hiding behind bushes kind of waiting for them to damn themselves and then then collecting them all up when they leave he's rich as hell man Anyway, what about you? What's your who's your character? Did, did he ever hollow, you know, put his pee pee through a bottle, leave it someplace for somebody to you know, do the old diner trick with the bottle? You know, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail. <laughs> so uh, I'm in the movie. Uh, I am a straight up legit ghost. 
It's a God. weird movie to be a ghost during, by the way. That's just, you know, it's weird words to use to describe a ghost. Uh, I'm in town, and I am. Uh, I'm thinking I'm hot shit. You know, I'm. I'm this town's got a ghost, and then I find out what the fuck. I'm like starting a dry heave. You know, uh, I'm like I, I see what's going on. I can't compete. I'm, I'm dropping little shit pellets wherever I go. You know, you've ever seen a ghost shit itself? I am tear dropping. I am. You know, the ghost actually commits suicide because the empty man terrifies him so much. It's like I can't even. You know, worst gig in town. He, he's fucked. You got to give me some space when you ask me. Have you ever seen a ghost shit himself? You got to give me time to answer. Can't just move on to the next sentence. Look, you've been given the green light to have your own business related to the empty man. Is your idea done? I love that idea. It's the insecure ghost that shows up to the wrong town because the empty man. Everybody's yeah. obsessed with the empty man. Yeah, the ghost he's, he's, he's second fiddle. Can't compete. Trying to move bottles and no one's paying attention. Yep. You know, like I'm um, all this creepy stuff. Yeah, and you think you think me whispering their ears is gonna move the needle? Been there. <laughs> he didn't even he has to look up Tulpa on Wikipedia. He's like, What? <laughs> What's happening in this town? God damn it. I'm at the I'm at the local watering hall talking to a ghast going, Can you believe this shit? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I got a shambling mound to my right. Yeah, he's like, times like these, eh? <laughs> Tough times for a ghost in that town. You're right. Yeah. What town was it? They're in Missouri somewhere. Missouri breaks. So your business, you have your own business related to the film. I got the obvious. I got the uh, Empty Man Casino and Resort. It's huge. It's palatial. It's like Atlantis, you know? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everything is just super decked out. Every slot machine, there's a bottle sticking out you could blow in. There's a blow in at the bar. You could blow in in the bathroom. You could blow in at the clerk. Hotel room's loaded with bottles to blow. Pit bosses all sitting still and trancing, you know, just like the, the, the worshipers. All the restaurant employees are dressed out like James Badge. You know, they got the layers upon layers. Long John's. Restaurant's called From San Francisco. It's all San Francisco fair. You get crab cakes and all that shit. Live show, musical act is, you know, fucking huge. Guy, a bunch of bottle music, you know, guys blowing into, you know, creating tunes. And then, of course, you're, you know, the empty man himself. He's a dealer at the big, big blackjack table. You've got, he's got eight tables going at once. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel like a million bucks because they are so tulping you the entire time. Well, my idea, would, I don't know if this is a business it's a, or a product, but my, I'd be, it'd be a plea to the Boy Scouts, a plea. A plea to the Boy Scouts, Nick, on bended knee. I don't know how, what, how do you get ideas to them? And my idea would be f- to, for them to create a James Badge Dale Merit Badge. Nice. Okay. You know, how, you know, those little woven merit badges that you put on your sash. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. Just, you know what I'm talking about, right? Just imagine a little woven James Badge Dale's face. By the way, Merit had a badge uh, in that TV show last year on HBO with cut with Tony Collette. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, Mary Weaver. Yeah, she did. You're right. I think it was on Netflix. That's a good show. And so, how do you're asking? How do you how do you earn the James Badgedale merit badge? Simple. Memorize every line he's ever said in any movie. That's easy. In front of your scoutmaster. That's it. That's all you got to do. Guess what? Mm-hmm. You're in the badge. Nailed it. How do you earn the merit badge? <laughs> well, <laughs> Boy Scout joke. <laughs> How are they still an organization, by the way? Incredible. Should not be. You should never underestimate a scarf, like a, a, a kerchief, like a, a really nicely tied kerchief. 
Yeah, I was. That would be. You were a Boy Scout, weren't you? For a minute. As a Cub Scout. Boy Scouted with, uh, just had some strange memories from old Boy Scouts, from the other Boy Scouts. What about you? you did you make it far in the? No, I didn't. I mean, third base. But... Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I really remember about Boy Scouts is going to a camp and they gave us like our own knives. Like, you know, those those knives, those boy. Yeah, it was so cool that you bought like supplies to be a scout. One of those things was a knife. I remember they said, don't open those knives on the bus. Mm-hmm. on the way to camp of course everybody did and they're hard to open do you remember those knives mm-hmm, of course and so everybody especially me cut their fingers on the knives trying to put them back you know open them put them back all i the... all i remember is all i cared about was making it to the pinewood derby yeah of course all i cared about and once that was over mm-hmm. my my love affair with the boy scouts was over but i do remember that the kid whose mother was in, i guess the den mother his house was kind of a 60s kitsch kind of thing it had a sunken living room sure and then i remember that his father got shot in the head to death what yeah how that's how i I didn't i mean not while i was there but i I mean mean, like murder his father had was a vict uh the recipient of massive death a headshot but like how was it a murder or was it an accident i hope i I don't remember i mean i was fucking 11 i don't know you could look at that up for me you know, and get it and get back to me tonight. Um, <laughs> it's an awful story, Nick. I did not mean to go this route. I had a, I had my only one. Of, I had like three merit badges, and one of them was for rifling, like shooting guns. Oh, you mean, I think you meant going through a drawer or something like that. No, I shot guns in the field at targets and earned a merit badge. My one of my first encounters with the gun obsessed. I'm sure, the guy that was. You know, helping the boys learn to shoot was, a, you know, maybe a gun aficionado back then. Yeah, I had the fluffer badge and I had the. um. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so, yeah, that's our boy Scott. I don't remember my other two merit badges, but I only had three. And that's a that's a that's a blank looking sash. If you only got three. Yeah. Well, what about the, what about all the about. what about all the patches you would iron onto your or sew into your shirt? I'm sure I had some of that. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I remember the, I got one for watching Iceman. <laughs> did we? <laughs> we watched Iceman, right? Yeah, we did. I don't know. Remember when he fell to his death at the end? <laughs> <laughs> and Timothy Hutton acted like he was he was it, getting set getting free. free? <laughs> uh, I mean, you're sitting on an island. You've been floating at sea for all these many years. You've gathered debris from all these films over the years, and by golly, it's time to take something from the Empty Man home with you. It's too much in here to take. I mean, this it's like a... It's an embarrassment. Cornucopia. It really is. It's an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to take anything from this movie. It's, it's a little creepy. I'm, am I, do I have to? Is that the rule? Yeah. I'd like, something. You should take 22 minutes from it. I think about taking the Pontifex Institute. <laughs> the whole Let thing? Let me see. I'm thinking about it. It's got a lot of beds in there. A lot of sleeping room. That's for sure. Nothing creepy about it. Remember those dummies whispering at the wall in there? Oh my god! Yeah, handful of dummies just they had that like speech. There's a speech uh, like from the pants comes the poop, from the poop comes the piss, from the piss comes the taste. You know that whole thing where they're it's not. I'm not reading it verbatim. Close. And there was this whole Nietzsche thing about staring into the abyss, and that's what those guys were doing, which was kind of a hypocrisy because Stephen Root's character was saying that it's a it's a the more you do that, the more you render it dumb and and ineffective and then he's got his people doing that nietzsche was mentioned in this film yeah glad they did glad they went there they went um yeah all right i mean i got a shooting gallery 
Okay. I, I assume that there's a regenerative element to the to the island. You know, because I remember I have something else there that regenerates. I get so I get to experience it over and over again. I don't remember what it is, but so I've got that hospital bed with Paul on it, and uh, I'd say like maybe every solstice it regenerates, and you know I'll just uh, every you know whenever the, whenever the whenever it reappears, I'll just mm-hmm. go over there and blast it. Smithering it, yeah, smithering it all over the place. Just damn, damn it up. You know, get it out, get out the loads, and then and then obviously. Did it knit itself back together like Species 2? No, I think what happens is it's almost like the rocket launcher in Halo. It'll just appear. Once you've done your, the solstice comes around and then it appears again. That's the way I'm doing it. Okay, fair enough. But I'll sit bedside. I'll sit bedside with that dummy. I'll sit there and I'll talk about, you know, I'll kind of whisper to him. It's like, you're not the only one. It's, this is a, you're you're an antenna, but you're a send and receive antenna. So you could send out your little whispers to me, but I'm going to whisper to you too. Because uh, I got some shit I need to get off my back. I got a lot. I'm not getting the max value out of this island yet. Almost like sitting on Santa's lap, whispering little dirty nothings, and then I will shotgun the shit out of his head. Hey, well, yeah, okay. You got a gun? You gonna take the gun too? Do you have a gun on your island? I'm assuming. It, I, I I I don't want one. But I but yeah, yeah. James Bagel's got a hand cannon, and I guess I'll have to yeah destroy his head with guns. <sighs> I'm gonna take the spa, Nick. Okay. I mean, look, it's a tropical island, but I don't mind that little relaxing, very intricate digital, like a digital controller and everything. I'd take that whole thing. Just get cozy with it. Unfortunately, it comes with empty, man. That sucks, <laughs> right? But other than that, I mean, it looks pretty relaxing. I just kind of have to kind of relax with one eye open, try to get out of there before he touches me and I stab myself to death with, you know, my face, you know, with a knife. The, the thing he doesn't know, so your gun thing, I didn't take the knife. You big fucking dummy. Scissors. So is it scissors or a knife? It's scissors. It's scissors. It is sharp, some sharp scissors. And uh, I didn't take that. Actually, he can come up to me and I'll just kind of empty air guitar a knife towards my face or scissors <laughs> toward my face. Small part price to pay to get into the little spa treatment on my island. I like the fact that uh, in this uh, brilliant future, we both have the empty man with us. <laughs> Look, I, I am talking. I just think I'm talking his ear off wearing him out and you're right. pantomiming him into a frenzy here's the thing i think he gives up after 10 or 15 go arounds with the spot thing he joins me i'm we're both sitting there in towels you know what i'm talking about what are you guys i made I, the empty man my friend maybe the, uh, honestly the idea of you and the empty man sitting with towels to, with each other is worth whatever human I mean, cost happened to lead to that you think he would just get adjusted to the pleasures of of life, you know, because he he was like born in the Himalayas, right? He born in a cold place and kind of down a crevasse, crevasse, crevasse. He's like, um, you know, you guys are sharing times. He, he, he's like, uh, at one point, I had millions of followers in this tundra. I was a god. They would look to me. They would bow. They would leave effigies. And then you're like, yeah, I was at Arby's and they put a, a onion ring in my fries once. <laughs> I'd probably call him M for short. Maybe MT. Something like that. I'd give him a nickname. Do you MT? think that, do you think uh Kevin Bacon looked twice when he saw this thing show up on the marquee? Whoa. It's like that's too close. Maybe. Too close to the hollow man. Too close. <laughs> Did a double take. Yeah, he's like, is this what well, they made the movie about his cousin finally? Jesus. I wish they would have told me. Sebastian Crane's brothers? <laughs> Thank you.
coconut oil is a magical juice Watching them twenties coming fast and loose The housewives are smiling My glutes are swollen I'm paying my rent tonight Shake it all until the party's over Gyroscope and a telescope all in one It's an innocent game and one with no losers Now it's time to wash these dreams right down the drain Stolen, baby Time is having her way Bottle this moment in my brain Never want to lose this feeling The housewives are smiling My glutes are swollen I'm paying